Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Worthy, 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 worthy. chapter 15, where we read our scripture from. Ooh, the Lord is yet worthy. think about that song that says I've had some good days and I've had some bad days but I won't complain why because the Lord is worthy he's been faithful through it all I've had some hills to climb and some valleys to go through but I won't complain because the Lord has been faithful and the Lord is worthy. Rather than complaining, I'll give him praise. I'll give him glory. I'll shout even before I see the manifestation of the victory because he's gotten the victory in Jesus. Oh, he's worthy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
So this morning in the book of Romans chapter 15, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read again verses number 4 through 6 and then verses 12 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 12 and 13. And further Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, he who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hallelujah. I want to talk about genuine hope in a chaotic world. Genuine hope in a chaotic world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, God, for your anointing. And I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit that I may communicate your word effectively this morning. And Lord, that through your anointing, yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed. And we will be pushed further along the way on our journey and assignment to live in hope and to inspire hope in the hopeless of this world. We thank you. Thank you for your calling and your election that is sure and for this opportunity this morning to proclaim and experience you, to proclaim your gospel and experience you in this worship experience. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. You know, as we were worshiping the Lord, it just was pervaded in my spirit that Many people in the world don't have the hope that we have, and we should not take this hope lightly. Amen. So people can't rejoice and don't understand the rejoicing uh, that we have in the Lord in the midst of the things that we may be going through in our own lives. And we do go through things in our own lives, but it doesn't mean that we have to become despondent. Doesn't mean that we have to become hopeless and feel helpless because we know where our help comes from. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to the name of Jesus. Maybe before the end of the worship today, we will end with my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. My hope mm, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Oh, other ground. Sink and sand. Amen. Maybe before we go into communion, we can just minister that this morning. Genuine hope in a chaotic world. I've heard the resounding concern and outcry for people who are feeling hopeless or who feel hopeless and helpless in these times that we live in. There is a general hopelessness that many people are feeling 
about the situation that the world is in. Now, we, we read the scriptures and we talk about wars and rumors of wars. Well, we look around us and we see wars and rumors of wars. There's concern about Russia invading Ukraine, right? It's, it's, make sure I'm saying the right country. Now, it's concern about China and conflict with China. And, and then you look on the continent of Africa and, and nations are in conflict with one another. Of course, a lot of that is, is fueled by the mindset and the operations of, 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 of nations that are still operating uh, with the perspective of colonialism and being able to go in and use their, their, their influence and their, their money uh, and their power to, to destabilize nations and to, to uh, continually rape the continent and the people of Africa. You know, many times when I, when I see that, I, my, my prayer is, Lord, open the people's eyes so that they can see what's going on. But I know, I know what money can do for people, and especially evil people. And I also understand the spiritual atmosphere that we live in. And I have to put a plug in for our school of ministry classes. If you don't understand what's going on in the atmosphere, especially right now, you need to be in these studies. You need to be studying these lessons along with us and sitting under the teachings as it talks about Satan and his, and, uh, his influence and his work in the earth realm as the prince of the power of the air. And, and of course, you know, that, that for believers, that helps us in this process. For non-believers, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They don't see what we see. They don't know what we know. Amen. But, 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 but. People are feeling hopeless. I've, 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 uh, there's a, uh, a friend of mine that I talked with, an older lady, uh, went on a mission trip together, uh, Habitat Bill, and she often talks about when we, whenever we have a chance to talk about the situation here in the United States. And it's just about the way it is in the rest of the developed world where people don't tend to really care about one another uh, people in power, you know, people are many times concerned about what they can get and how they can consolidate their power and increase their riches. Uh, mm, the wealth of the world that Satan is able to use uh, to control people, or to get people to follow him in his devilish and evil diabolical schemes to, to entrap people and bring more people into his kingdom. But there's constant chaos and chaos in nations around the world, sending people into exile, sending people into exile uh, throughout the world, not just on the continent of Africa, but on the continent of Asia, uh, Europe. Uh, you see the destabilization of nations and, and people fleeing from one country to another country. Amen. Uh, uh, and people becoming refugees many times in their own nations or along the borders of other nations. There's this general hopelessness that people are feeling in the world around us. And then, of course, COVID-19 concerns. You know, this is something that we have never experienced in our lifetime, probably in the 19th, well, I don't know about 19th, but 20th century, and now going into the 21st century, well, we, we are yet in this crisis uh, of, of, of uh, this COVID-19 uh, virus. 
is still raging. We're going in what, into the third year now, and now the Omicron virus is, is Omicron variant is on the rise and even moving around the United States of America. You know, people, people try to fight this, and, and many times in the way that in the, in the flesh they know how to fight it. And of course, when politics gets involved and, you know, you start dealing with uh, conspiracy theories and people getting rich and what have you. Well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Can somebody say there's nothing new under the sun? Uh, but the thing that concerns me is that as we trust God, where did we get to the point that we stop allowing God to speak uh, and to use scientists to help us in this process? You know, we have to, we've been, we've been trusting scientists down through the years Amen. When when malaria, when 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 people came to the United States, do you know the reason why the people down along the coast who lived on the islands maintained their dialect uh, more so in their African culture more so than those uh, slaves who were inland? It was because the the landowners, the slave owners, couldn't live on the islands because of malaria. And black people, because they were used to malaria, they grew up with malaria, so they could. So they, the, the slave owners moved to the mainland, and they allowed the slaves to stay on the islands, and they maintained their culture. That's one of the reasons more than we did, or our ancestors did, who were slaves on the mainland. Yeah, and with malaria, it was science that helped fight it, so that now today in the United States of America. We don't have to sleep under mosquito nets at night. We don't have to deal with our children getting sick and, 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 and possibly dying because of malaria, tuberculosis, a lot of other diseases that have come along. It was science. It was doctors. It was research scientists who worked to develop vaccinations and to eradicate these. And now in the 21st century, we don't trust scientists anymore. Of course, our ultimate faith is in God, but then we trust the God who puts knowledge in people. If that were not the case, nobody would go to the doctor. Nobody would take medicine that the doctor gave because your ultimate faith was in God and you don't need medicine. Now, much as I hate to take medicine, that sometimes I have to take medicine. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and so with COVID-19 again raging, a third year. People are feeling hopeless, and they're trying to find a way out of this thing, but the way out of it that people are finding just seem to be creating more problems. Seem to be creating more problems. And it's just, it's, 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 we're living in chaos. We're living in chaos in the world. Killing on our, killings on our streets every day. Every day you're reading about somebody getting shot, somebody getting killed. Guns in the schools, you know. And, and I hear people, I heard uh, the police, I think it's the police chief in Charlotte, saying we're not connecting with our children. But the problem is not the school system not connecting with children. The problem is not police officers not connecting with children. The problem is that parents have lost control in the houses. Amen. Amen. Parents don't have control over their children anymore. And so, consequently, when you buy the gun for your child for a Christmas present, and your child is already unstable, and if you live in a house with your child, you know whether they're unstable or not. Whether you want to admit it, you know whether they're unstable. Certain things you don't give to your children. 
you know? And you know the problems that he's probably been having in the school. Probably somebody's been bullying him. Probably somebody's, and you know, bullying is not new. I remember being in ninth grade and being bullied, you know? And this guy wanted to fight me. He called me. He said, you look like a monkey. And I looked at him and said, yeah, you look like an ape with your hair itself. And then he wanted to fight, of course, I didn't fight. You know, I wasn't going to fight him. He was a football player. You know, he was stronger than me. And I saw that. But I also saw that my parents never allowed us to go to school and fight. Because if you fought at school and got expelled, when you got home, you got the beating of a life. You know, at least I had the nerve to tell him he looked like an ape, you know. <laughs> but bullying has been around. It has been magnified. It has been magnified. And when you have unstable parents who also many times neglect and abuse their children emotionally. Yeah. And then so now you got emotional abuse at home. You got emotional abuse in the schools. And so children are unstable. And coupled with with the video games and the cartoons where they see killing, you know, they see people, and then when they see people, little children see folk on cartoons get killed, and in the next few minutes, they're alive again. They don't know the power of death. They don't know the power of a weapon. They don't know the power of a gun. So we have all of this stuff that's going on in society. And, of course, we know the root of it. We know the root of it. But communicating this to people tends to be very difficult because And the reason I hesitated, because I'm about to jump way down in my sermon. (laughs) But it's because people don't want to accept the truth of the gospel. People people will readily discredit and discount Jesus and discount the gospel. Maybe part of it is, is partly our fault, because maybe sometimes we've displayed an erroneous a concept of what it is to be saved. And we've talked about perfection, while many times in our lives we're not living perfect. And so we got to kind of like balance that thing out and help people understand that, yeah, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but that does not mean that, that we won't mess up sometimes. That doesn't mean we won't make a mistake. We won't say things we have no business saying. We're growing in Christ. We're being, if, if, if we're yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we're being renewed in the spirit of our minds. And then it shouldn't take us 50 years. Amen. Yeah. So there is this general hopelessness that's going on in the world. Then there is this personal hopelessness that people are feeling. Amen. Uh, and, and many people are feeling this always specifically, and as people point out, this time of year, holiday time, uh, for people who've lost loved ones, uh, this is a difficult time of the year for many people until you grow past it. And you got to grow past it. Amen. Amen. You may grieve over a loved one that you've lost, but listen, that loved one is not coming back, so you need to go ahead and live. Can somebody say amen to that? But you got to grow past that. You got to get past that where you enjoy the memories. Amen. And the little dreams of the Lord. The Lord showed me my mother and my father a whole lot of times in a dream. You know, and the things that, they, that, that they've said, the things that they've done, you know. And it's the subconscious mind that the Holy Spirit works through to show us that we are really not disconnected. Amen? And we, we will live so that one day we will see them again. Mm, yeah, but you got to get past that, you know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there are people that are getting old. 
people get older and, and, you know, young people don't have the same, some young people don't have the same connectedness that maybe some of us had. And I can't say this for everybody, but, you know, I just love sitting with my grandmother. And, and I, I remember, I remember one, of my, one of my aunts said, I just hate to see my mama in a condition like this. She was getting older. She was like in her 90s, she had dementia. But I don't care how many times she repeated herself when I went to see her. I went to see her every day. And she could, well, when I lived there, I would see her every day. But every time I got a chance when I moved away, I would go see my grandmother. I don't care how many times she repeated herself. The important thing was that I was sitting there with her. Amen. Until she got sick and went to the hospital the last two weeks of her life, and she went on home to be with the Lord. But older people tend to feel forgotten about because young people get busy with life and busy with friends, and they tend to forget. We were visiting, uh, dropped something off at our older lady's house uh, yesterday. Her husband passed away several years ago, and she was saying to my wife, she said, yeah, she's talking about living alone and what she had to do. She said, well, you know, this is what you do when you lose your husband. You, you live alone. And you find yourself trying to be busy. And so sometimes in life, we don't, we don't think forward to people who are living alone, the people who may feel lonely and feel a sense of hopelessness, even people who don't have children or grandchildren to come and see them, you know? You know but what is the body of Christ for? We are supposed to be a family. We're supposed to be connected, you know? You know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopelessness, hopelessness. People who are sick, people who, have, who are diseased. Some people are waiting on death. Some people are waiting to die. They're hurting emotionally and physically hurting. You know, you don't, until, until if you've never lived with pain, I don't know who in here today has lived with pain, but your body aches, or your body hurts night and day. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. I was talking with a, with a young man yesterday. He called me early yesterday morning. He texted me first, and I was still in the bed. And, and, and I didn't know he wanted to talk, but it must have been very serious because he wrote back and text back and said, well, we can talk by phone. And, that is, and I was about to say, I was about to text him back and say, well, give me a time later on the day. And by that time when I wrote, give me A, I got a phone call. <laughs> and I realized that he wanted to talk right then. He wanted to talk right then. And we were talking about a situation. And I said to him, people who've never cared for someone who's sick, who've never been a caregiver, really does not understand, really don't understand what it is to take care of somebody who cannot take care of themselves. People don't understand. People may try to empathize with you, but people don't understand. You got to live in this thing to understand it. You got to live with it to understand it. And so many times when people get sick, you know, you stay sick for a long time. And I've heard people say this, people will forget about you. People in the church will forget about you. You know, family will forget. They're going on with their lives. It's almost like, okay, when you die, we'll come back. No, it can't be like that. We got to walk through this process. So people, people are feeling a sense of hopelessness. People maybe have gone through divorce. You know, people who've gone through other uh, emotional crises in their lives. In this world around us, people 
are hurting. People are feeling hopeless. I heard, I heard Minister Stephen say on the prayer call, I believe it was the other night, where he talked about people are feeling like they're not seen. You know, they're in the world, but they're feeling like they're not seen. Now, there are a lot of things people don't understand. And thank God for the word today, <clears throat> because there should be things that we understand. All right? And prayerfully, I'll get to that. I don't want to get too off, off course and direction with, with the message. But, but, but this is the situation of the world that we are in. And I don't know. There may be somebody in here this morning that's feeling hopeless. And prayerfully, there's somebody listening online, and you're feeling hopeless, and God had you tune in to this message so that hopefully and prayerfully you will find some hope in your life today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, so here we are. And here in the United States, you know, and, and this is the context that we live in, live in, so this is the context that we must talk about because a lot of people don't pay attention to world news or nor are in situations uh, been in, been on the mission field and really been closely connected to people. You know, when I see things that's happening in Africa, many times it grieves my spirit. And, and sometimes I have to read through articles. And I posted two articles on, 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 on my Facebook page the other day uh, for people to read. But, you know, people don't, people don't read. Now, if it's too long, they're not going to read. So if you want someone to read your post, don't write a long post because most people are not going to read it. Oh, isn't that right, y'all? <laughs> you read the first two lines, and that's about it. You know, but, but those articles I posted so that hopefully people would read it because it grieved my heart. But most people don't deal with that because most people are only dealing with their immediate situations. And things here in the United States seem to be really getting bad. Yeah, really getting bad. And so many people get caught up with this. And many people feel hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's our responsibility who are people of hope, for people who know hope and where hope comes from, to help communicate hope to this world. Well, what is hope? We talk about hope. Have you ever looked up a definition of hope? Yeah, what is hope? Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or in the world at large. Now, when you think about that definition, you realize that a lot of people are not optimistic about the United States. A lot of people are pessimistic. Pessimistic. They've lost hope. Sometimes people in their lives are very pessimistic. They've lost hope. And you try to talk to them and you try to encourage them, but their mindset is a mindset of pessimism. They're negative about everything. They don't see any good that can possibly come out of the situations that they are in. But hope deals with optimism. As a verb, it means expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation. I am anticipating something better. Now, this sounds like us, right? We may be going through, but we're looking forward to coming out. 
We're looking for something better. It's, the, it's in our songs. It's in our theology. Even the old people sing, there's a better day coming after a while. Amen. We would sing that song and it would feel good. You know, that was something that would happen within you when you heard that because as young people, sometimes we look at the old people, we'd be singing the songs, but you know, as young people, you don't think about that because a lot of times as young people, especially when you're teenagers, maybe when you get past 25, you know, and you got your own bills and, you know, and, and, you know, all that stuff, you know, where you wanted to get grown and then you got out of the house and you found out getting out of the house wasn't the best thing in the world, but it was really the best thing in the world because you had to grow up, you know. But singing, there's a better day coming after a while. You know, we went through this whole theological thing about, about you know, pie in the sky by and by and, and, and uh, who was the man that said that, that religion is the opiate of the people? Was it Karl Marx? You know, and, but we realized that faith is not an opiate for us. Our faith is a stimulant for us. It encourages us in the midst of what we're going through in our lives. Amen? Amen. Faith never, never was an opiate to me. Amen. It encouraged me in the midst of everything that I was going through. And the older I have gotten and the more, more rooted and grounded in the scriptures I have become, I've seen how real the Bible is and the things of the scriptures are are and how real Jesus is in my life, how real Holy Spirit is in my life, and how he keeps me motivated and keeps me going forward, even when I, in the flesh, I don't feel like it. Optimistic. There's a better day coming after a while. But guess what? My hope is not just in this world only. This world is passing away. I understand that. Where did I get this understanding from? Because I got in the Word, and I studied the Word, and I believed the Word. Amen. And I saw how when the Lord destroyed the earth with Noah, then he replenished the earth. Amen. Amen. I saw God's judgment upon people in Scripture. Then I saw how God brought refreshing and renewal and restoring in the Word. So my hope is not just in this world only and for this world only. My hope is not that the United States of America will be a nation that will last past every nation. My hope is in Jesus. Because if the United States is destroyed, I still have hope in Jesus Christ that wherever I am, if I'm not going on to be with the Lord, that God will keep me in the midst of it all. But ultimately, Jesus has prepared a place for me. That where he is, I can be also. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Amen. A lot of people don't have this hope. So, 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 so our optimism does not come, our optimism about the future is not in a place or an event, but it's in a person. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and, and, our, and in a genuine growing relationship with Christ. Amen. So when we talk about a genuine hope, we're talking about a hope that's based in Jesus Christ. Now, now some people would want to argue and say, what about the people who are not believers? Well, see, that's the whole issue. Well, I won't say that's a big part of the issue because there are some people who've accepted Jesus and they still feel hopeless. But for those who've accepted Jesus, we want to help you today. And for those who've not accepted Jesus and those who continue to reject Jesus as Savior and Lord, until you are open to the Holy Spirit to hear and listen, there's not much we can do for you. Amen. Sometimes, saints, we want to fix unfixable situations. 
Did you ever get to the point that you just had to go and buy a new car? Do you understand what I'm talking about? That old car was just unfixable. So you just had to go and buy a new car. There's some things, saints, that are unfit. Everybody is not going to follow Jesus. Amen. And we don't want to give people false hope. Amen. When we offer hope to people, we want it to be a genuine hope. So we're not talking about just trying to make people feel better about the world. As Christians, we should not be. We want to give people hope in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Anything less than that is not genuine hope. And we're not ministering truthfully to people. You may feel like you're doing them a disservice by telling them the truth. But what did Jesus say about the truth? Oh, Lord. If you lie to people, you're not helping them get free. And people need freedom. People need freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, our hope is in Jesus. That's why we sing the song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Why is he the solid rock? Because he is the one that God sent into this world to be the sacrifice for our sins. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. It's been proven. It was written in scripture. It's been proven in history that Jesus is the resurrected Lord. He is the solid foundation to build your life upon. Any other foundation is like building on sinking sand. You're building on shaky ground. This is not just a truth for Christians. It's just a truth. It's the truth for anybody that will believe it. But people have to come to believe it. Yeah, yeah. And in this world, even in the church, listen, and this is why it's difficult to help some people in the church. Because you have to have more than a form of godliness. Are you listening? You can't just be a, be a member of the church and act Christian on Sunday. You have to challenge yourself every day of your life to submit to the power of a godly life. Why is it every day? Because every day you're going to be challenged. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, oh, we've heard that scripture. Y'all been quoting. Yeah, but it's the truth. And it's truth that will make you free. Amen. Amen. So it's an everyday challenge for us. I don't care what your challenge is. It's an everyday. If your challenge is gossiping, every day you got to work against not gossiping. Somebody's going to call you on the telephone. And then they're going to ask a question about somebody that you know about or don't know about or that you heard, and now here you go. There's another old song. You know, I thank God for being old. You know, you, you're old, you know a whole lot. There's an old song that the people you say, uh, 
put the bit in my mouth and the bridle around my tongue. And I used to pray that thing, Lord, put that just like you, you know, you know about, you know, putting the bridle on a horse, you know, and we had to, I had to hook up the mule for daddy to plow. So, you know, I understood that. And I understood that when the, when, because that mule would get out of the pasture and get in the field and I had to go get him out of the field because he was eating up the corn and everything. But when daddy got ready to plow, not only did he, before he put the muzzle on, he had to put the bridle on. And you had to put the bit in the horse's mouth because that's the way you controlled the horse. Wasn't just G and Haw, but you had to have the, the amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, y'all laughing at me, but I'm just telling, I'm just describing the picture. You got to see the picture. I can see it in my mind. So it wasn't just the reins and the strap, amen, hooked to the horse's head because just hooked to the head, you couldn't control it. You had to put the bit in the mouth. Hallelujah. So you can control the mule or the horse. And that's what Christians need. Christians need a bit in their mouth and a bridle around their tongue. Because it's so easy to gossip. So easy. So many other situations in our lives. You know, so so whatever, whatever, whatever issue you have, a problem you could have, and this is why the Bible says that, uh, it says that, uh, 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 yeah, I got the scripture in my mind, but it's not coming out on my lips right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, it, 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 it talks about us, those sins that we so easily, uh, give me the scripture. Come on, preachers. Amen. Hebrews, Hebrews, Amen. Those sins that, that we so easily can, 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 can give way to. It talks about us being strong. Anyway, praise the Lord. I thought somebody sent me a text with the scripture on it. But you know what I'm, some of you know what I'm talking about. Before I finish, it'll come back to my, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to my remembrance. But, 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 but there are sin, there's sins that, 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 we, 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 that we easily can give in to. All right? There are sins that are, that are common to us. Y'all got the scripture yet? Have you? Tell me the scripture. You may have to take your mask off for me to hear that. Say it a little bit louder for me. Anyway, while you're finding it, it's in Hebrews. I know it, but let me go on. Let me go on. Yeah, when you tell me, I'm going to come back to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the first part of it? The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, authors. That's Hebrews 4. Hebrews 12. Thank you. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily beset us. <laughs> Amen. I know y'all been trying to tell me, you know, masks kind of hinder us these days. Yeah. There are sins that easily beset us. And so we have to be conscious about those things. And we need the Lord to bridle us. We need the Lord to muzzle us. We need the Lord to help us with those sins that easily beset us. So that we are not ones with a form of godliness and denying the power of a godly life. So the problem with some Christians is that, you know, we are 
carnal-minded. We, we come to church, but that's about all. You got to do more than just come. You got to do more than just read the Bible. You have to apply the Bible to your life and you have to work with yourself every day. Paul said, I keep under my body that I may bring it into subjection lest after I preach to others, I myself become a castaway. I don't want to become a castaway, so I have to keep working with me. All the Christians would hear this. Christians, you you want the alcoholic to stop drinking, but you don't want to stop gossiping. You want to condemn those sins that you see in a person's life, but you don't want to deal with your own self. Lay aside those sins that easily beset you so that you can run with patience. The race that is set before us. Some of us got to learn how to run with patience. Run with endurance. So anyway, let me move on. Uh, I came up here today thinking I would preach 15 minutes. But anyhow. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when we look at the scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 15, the apostle Paul is writing to, of course, you know, he had not he did not plant the church in Rome, but his desire was to go to Rome. And he, so he writes the letter to the church at Rome. Good theological expose. I mean, if you want to understand Christianity, this is one of the books to really read and study because he lays out a lot of wonderful teachings in the book of Romans. But as he gets to the end of the letter, he starts talking to the believers about how they are to live with each other as they follow Christ. Okay? And and in, in, in chapter 14 and and feeding into chapter 15, he talks about this apparent conflict that was going on between uh, about eating, about meat, about eating food that was clean and unclean, okay? And he deals with the strong believers, you know, that they would learn to bear the infirmities of the weak. And a lot of times we hear this preached from the standpoint of of those of us who are stronger bearing the infirmities of the weak. But when you study the context and the commentary behind it, what he does not leave out is the weaker ones or the younger ones in the faith bearing the responsibility of coming along in the faith. Because we cannot stay at the point where we are always trying to back up so we can reach the younger people, and I mean, not the younger people, the younger ones in the faith, all right, are the weaker ones in the faith. The weaker ones in the faith have to jump in here and come along. Are you understanding? If, I'm, if I know how to ride the bicycle and I want to teach you how to ride the bicycle, you've got to get on the bicycle. Amen. You've got to take, you've got to, whatever it took for me to get strong. I remember learning to ride a bicycle, falling into the bar patch. I remember the front wheel coming off and then I flipped over, you know, and, and, and scratched myself up. That was a part of the learning process. So the weaker ones have to come along. Amen. So, so people, uh, as I was reading this and studying this and heard the word in the scripture, saw the word in the scripture, hope. And I thought about these times that we're living in and how, how in this Advent season, it is a season of preparation. Well, part of this preparation is having the right hope and our hope centered in Jesus Christ, okay? So it can't be just the older, older f- saints 
uh, older ones in the faith having hope in Christ and those who are weaker in the faith not having hope and always languishing in their hopelessness. As we teach you about hope, as we exemplify hope in our lives, you have to latch on to the teaching. Even though you may not be experiencing it right now, but you've got to latch on to the teaching so that you come along with us. There's responsibility on both sides. Can somebody say there's responsibility on both sides? Because you see, if we are always, and this is, this is one thing that, that over the years in ministry, I've, I battle with in my spirit because I see part of the church growing. I see part of the believers getting strong and getting involved in ministry. Then I see another part of, of believers in the same congregation who never take interest in the teaching, who are not growing. You look at the products of their lives and you see all types of confusion, all types of instability, all types of spiritual domination because they're not, I'm not saying you're, you're going to be over the battle because you're not going to be over the battle until the Lord takes you out of here. But you get stronger in the battle. Are you listening? And so we can't stay back here. Amen. We, 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 we need, as we, as we try to reach younger people in the faith, younger believers, weaker believers, you've got to latch, latch on to the teaching so that you come along with us because we can't, there's work to be done. Amen. There are more people that need to be reached. Are you, am I making any sense here? You see some young believers Get involved. They get into the word. And then you see them growing by leaps and bounds. But you see others, same age, same group, and they're still back there where they were 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Still got issues with people. Still mad about something that happened 50 years ago. Still can't forgive. I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about young people too. We have some young people that have left the church over issues that were not worth leaving the ministry over. Still don't want accountability. They don't, don't want accountability. You got to latch on to this. Or you got to come along so that you get to the place as we are leaving, going off the scene, God has another strong band of believers that, that can take the mantle, already taking the mantle and running with it because there's another generation coming behind and there's another generation coming after that until Jesus comes. Whew. So even hopeless people, even people that are struggling and feeling hopeless in this life have to catch on to the teaching. So Paul is dealing with these folk who are battling over this issue of clean and unclean meat. And basically he says the older ones, the strong ones have a responsibility to bear the infirmities of the weak. But the weaker ones have a responsibility to come along and grow in the faith. And so as I was reading this, I, then the Lord began to deal with me about this issue of hopelessness. This issue of hopelessness. The first thing that, 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 that the scripture says here um, in verse number four. That, that the Lord spoke to me about. The, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Okay? By steadfastness and by the encouragement. Now, different translations use different words. King James says patience and comfort. 
Uh, NIV says in, uh, uh, endurance and somebody got in the way. I read it and I didn't write it down. It says it, endurance deals with steadfastness, comfort. What? Encouragement. Okay, so both of them use the word encouragement. So when people are hopeless, what do they need? They need encouragement. Where is the encouragement going to come from? It's going to come from the scriptures. Amen. You might get some encouragement from Oprah, but watch out now. There's some encouragement mixed with some foolishness that does not leave you rooted and grounded in the scriptures. Because my hope is not for this world only. Because this world is passing away. Remember, we want to give people genuine hope. So if we give them hope that's only for this world, and this world is passing away, then that is not genuine hope. Remember, our hope is rooted in Jesus, who is very clear on what's going to happen in this world and to this world. In the world, you will have tribulation. All right? This world is passing away. I mean, the scriptures are very clear. So now, the, the hope, the encouragement, amen, the encouragement uh, and the steadfastness. Of, now, first of all, Paul says that you got to be steadfast. And I know sometimes it's difficult for young saints to be steadfast. But you got to work on being steadfast. Amen. You got to work on being steadfast. You can't be in the church today and out tomorrow. You can't spend six months away from the body of Christ. Amen. And then six months on and expect to be strong. You got to be steadfast. Even if you're not living right, you need to be steadfast. You need to be coming to the house of the Lord. You need to be in the word of the Lord because God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is what the word of God will do in your life if you give yourself to it. So he says with steadfastness and encouragement of the scriptures, We've got to get back into the word, not just those who are, of us who are growing and becoming stronger. Everyone has to get back into the word. And it is our responsibility, yes, to teach the word and encourage people, but it's those that are feeling hopeless and helpless in this world who've got to see someone or at least come along and catch a hold of the vision and see that Jesus is the only answer for this world today. And he's revealed to us in the scriptures. In the scriptures. I pray this message is making sense. If it doesn't, that's okay. That's all you got. The Lord will reveal that to you too. Now, now then, then, then he goes a little bit further. Verse 5, he says, May the God, and this is, he begins to pray. And this is typical of Paul as he's writing. So he'll make a statement. Then he begins in the middle of his statement to pray for the people. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so as he's dealing with the church, and this, now he's talking about unity, and he, rec he references God, we, we need encouragement. Okay, And he references God as the God of steadfastness and encouragement. Right? May the God of steadfastness and encouragement. So you are feeling hopeless. You are feeling helpless. Where are you going to turn? You go to the psychiatrist, and they can only tell you so much. You know, you go to your friends. They can only tell you so much. 
You know, if your friends are really rooted and grounded in Jesus, they're going to tell you about Jesus. And that's what we have to do because God is the God of encouragement, of a steadfastness and encouragement. He encourages us to be steadfast. He gives us strength to be steadfast. Amen. He gives us instructions in the word that helps us become steadfast. Amen. We know how to resist the devil because we've been in the word. Amen. And we hear it over and over and over in our minds. Amen. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Then we begin to study. What do you mean by resist the devil? Well, you see, now we've gone a little bit further. We've gone into digging into the scriptures to find out what God means. And so this God who is a God of steadfastness and encouragement, amen, he says here, amen, um, verse 5 again, uh, that he will grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, or with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the unity of the Spirit, where in Philippians he encourages the saints to maintain Maintaining the unity of the Spirit is not on one part. I cannot maintain unity of the Spirit with you if you don't do your part in maintaining the unity. Amen. So you can get mad at me and walk away from me and have nothing else to do with me, but but you're not doing your part in maintaining the unity of the Spirit and vice versa. I can get mad at you and walk away not talk to you again. But now I wrote this down, then I, then I took it out. When you go back to verse chapter 14, and you read in verse 16 or verse 15, he says, if your brother is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So let's, let's take that path, eating clean and unclean meat. Of course, you know, I'm not supposed to be upset with you because you eat pork and I don't. I'm not going to condemn you. I might say, well, I don't eat pork. But you eat as much pork as you want to eat. You got it? You know, I might think it's unclean. I might think it's unhealthy. But hey, you, I'm not going to let that destroy the body. I'm not going to let that destroy the church because I see it from a different perspective. That's different from, from salvation. It's different from you doing stuff that's ungodly. He says, don't let this destroy. Don't let's let this basically ruin the church. How many of us have gotten caught up in stuff that has helped ruin the church? You go away from here and talk about how bad tabernacular praise is because you had a problem with one or two people and y'all refused to reconcile. And then some folk, to tell the truth, some folk helped other people leave and they stay. <laughs> Ooh, Lord have mercy. I just look at this thing. I see your eyes. Yeah, some people, some people stayed when they were involved in the mess and other folk left. So they helped them leave, but they stayed. I'm just telling the truth. See, sometimes people don't think the pastor see and know. 
<laughs> Lord help us today. Anyhow, so Paul says, you know, he prays for them, and he talks about this unity. Yeah, that God will grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Jesus Christ, another translation said. So Christ has to be my example. Amen. Jesus Christ has to be my example. I need to be like-minded, and he encourages us to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And what example does he use? He uses Jesus because there is no division in the Godhead. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was equal with God, but he, he didn't see that as an opportunity to be used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself. Made himself of no reputation. So, 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 so as we, as we deal with this issue of hopelessness that people are facing, and many of you know people who are feeling hopeless in their lives, you can't put yourself up above them, all right? But you do have a place that, of understanding that you have that, that you need to help them come along. Paul said, don't forget about, don't, don't disregard people who have issues. Don't disregard them. You got to address the issue. Okay, help them in their situation. Help them as weak believers. Help them as immature believers. But that immature believer also has to come along. Because I can't help you if you don't come along. I remember the old songs that come along, my friends. You got to come along. Tell your neighbor, you got to come along. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, it's hard for people. When you deal with people in the world and you're trying to witness to people in the world, you're trying to help people who are unbelievers, amen, see the hope that you have in Christ. If they reject Christ, you can't help them. And you got to recognize that. Uh, we, we've talked about this a lot in our teachings, you know, that we want everybody to follow Jesus. We don't understand why people don't. And then we want to blame the church. Don't blame the church. It's not always our fault. Amen. Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there'll be that go in there by. A few find that way. But broad is the way, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And what? Many. Many go in there by. Or they follow that road. Many. So there are a lot of people who have rejected Christ. And they're feeling hopeless and they're talking to you. And you got the burden. You're taking the burden on you to try to win them. But they rejected the point of hope that you have. They rejected the one who brings hope into this world. And when you reject Jesus, you rejected the opportunity to get hope. Genuine hope. Real hope. Sustaining hope. You might feel a little bit better. Your party get elected to, 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 to office and do you feel better about the world? Four years later. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Lastly. Lastly in verse 13, verse 12 and 13. And, and this, this, this is where Paul really, in these last few verses, points us to Jesus. Um, verse 12, I'll just start there. This is a prophecy from Isaiah. The root of Jesse shall come. Jesus is the root of Jesse. Amen. He's the root of Jesse. Go back and read the genealogy of Jesus. 
in Matthew. He's a root of Jesse. He's an ancestor. Jesse is his ancestors. I can't tell you which grandfather it is right now, but he's a root of Jesse. He who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles have hope. Now, so this hope is not just for the Jews. This hope is for us as well. But listen to what, he's, what he also prays. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. You may abound in hope. This God of steadfastness, this God of encouragement, Paul prays that the same God would fill them with joy and peace in believing. So the, the, the hope that we have, it comes from God filling us with joy and peace. I'm not discouraged by, by what I see in the world because God has filled me with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm abounding in hope. This is where the Lord wants us to get to. As much as we, with our words, share the scriptures with people, the Holy Spirit has to come. The Holy Spirit has to do a work in their hearts. The Holy Spirit has to pour into them his joy and his peace. You want to help people get past hopelessness? You got to point them to Jesus. You can't leave Jesus out of the picture. You got to get them to the point where they pray, where they believe and they pray that this God of hope, this hope that will not make you ashamed. Has God's hope made anybody in here ashamed? Hope has never put me to shame. Not God's hope. Trusting in man will make you ashamed. Trusting in man will disappoint you. Trusting in man will leave you hurting and crying and disillusioned and leave you feeling like you're walking in darkness and, and like nobody cares. But when you put your hope in Jesus and then God begins to pour out through the Holy Ghost, through his Holy Spirit, his joy and his peace, then his joy becomes your strength. <laughs> the joy of your relationship with Jesus is strength in your life. And I can understand why people say uh, uh, that, that, that in essence, you know, some songs come to my mind. I don't remember all of the words. But, yeah, this, I am happy in Jesus alone. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy because of the joy that he pours out in me. Because of the peace that passes all understanding. I don't understand why I should be at peace in this situation, but I am at peace. It is the peace of God that he's poured out in my life. Jesus said, I give you peace, not as the world give it. I give it to you. Peace of God. Now you're hopeful. You're not hopeless. You're hopeful and your hope is genuine. Because it's not based on false hope. It's not saying that that person is going to act better. It's saying that God is in control. It's not saying that you're going to experience physical healing in your body. It's saying that God is in control. You're at peace. It's not saying that this world is going to get any better. It's saying that God is in control. 
So you're not letting the situations of this world disrupt your peace. The peace of God, amen, that passes all understanding, keeps your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. He prays. He prays for the church. And I pray for the church today, saints of God. I pray for the church today that this God, our God, hallelujah, will pour out his joy and peace that will only come to those who believe so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, people will have peace, will have hope, and that hope will be in God. They will abound in hope, abound in hope, genuine hope in this season, in this time. You know, I was watching the news last night, as I always do. I try to make sure I watch the news every day. But they were just talking about this season and this church. They showed this particular church, I think, is in Detroit. And I'm, I'm not at all condemning or speaking against what they do. And how last year, they were talking about the number of toys that are not available this year. And how... Last year, they showed that church, and it was filled. Every pew was filled with toys. Around the altar was filled with toys. And they were saying that this year, they're not getting that same response. And how so many children are going to be hopeless. Could part of the problem be that the church has displayed the wrong concept of what Christmas is all about? So our children get upset when they don't get what they want. When they, every day, every month, you pay the light bill. You pay the power bill. Every month, you pay the gas bill. You keep food in your house. I mean, all your children have to do is go to the refrigerator. Not many of us don't have food. So if you got a deep freezer, it's full of food. And your children get upset because they don't get what they want. And we're not just dealing with the world. And then at Christmas time, we break our necks. Because this is, what we're, this is what Christmas is about. It's not about hope in Jesus. It's about things. And life becomes about things. But things don't make you happy. Things don't give you peace. Because you give your children toys and after they play for, for a few hours, they throw it down, they, got it. They, 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 they may go back later on and pick it up and play with it. But if there's not love in that house, if there is not warmth and connection where your children are truly connected to you, no thing can replace that. So I'm looking at this situation that we've had in the world. And I know, you know, I have people get upset with me about, you know, it's not about me and people being upset about our stance on Christmas. But what are we teaching? What do we continue to show to the world? And so we got all of these people that are bound up in hopelessness and rather than giving them Jesus, we want to give them things. And it's okay to give them the things, but you got to give them Jesus. Ministry becomes social ministry. It's just like social services. If you don't present Christ, you don't give them Jesus. You're not doing ministry. You just do a social work. So 
we, those of us who have hope in Christ, and we know that our hope is genuine. We know that our hope is rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus, who's shown us in the scriptures the whole picture. We know about the battle in the cosmos. We know, but we know about Satan being a prince of the power of the air. And we know about him being the root behind all of the evil that's in this world. And yet, we won't present Jesus. And it's easy because everybody seems to be doing it, you know. And we want to do what's easy. The easy thing, easy thing is go and buy some toys and give the people at Christmas to say we're the church. And we want you to be happy at Christmas. We can forget about you all year long, but we want you to be happy at Christmas. What picture is that? What picture? When every day, every day, we should be presenting Christ, displaying the hope. And God forbid that what we display is hopelessness until we get things. Somebody give us a gift, then we got to smile. All of the times we walk around with a frown on our face. God forbid. Genuine hope in a chaotic world. We got to stop moving to the side of the world and participating in the chaos. There's a shift that's going to be difficult for the church if we ever shift. But we have to be living examples and living messengers of the hope that only God can provide. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you empty or void. It will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, for you being the God of steadfastness and encouragement. Thank you for being steadfastness and encouragement in, in our lives. Help us to present you correctly to those in this world who feel hopeless. At this season of the year, when a lot of people are living hopeless, whoever you connect us with, embolden us by your spirit to point them to Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you were listening to this message today, and that was a sense of hopelessness that you have in your life, I pray that you heard. pray that you paid attention. I pray that something in this message spoke to you. You can get hope temporary, temporarily. But we need more than a temporary hope. People can give you false hope, but you need more than false hope. You need a genuine, lasting hope that comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, 
it's a growing process. The first step of faith is accepting Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. He gave his life. He died on the cross to satisfy divine justice, which says the soul that sins shall surely die. God sent him specifically into this world to become that sacrifice for the sins of humankind, for the sins of us all. You were included in Jesus' sacrifice. So salvation is for you. <clears throat> Jesus gave his life for you. Place your hope, place your trust in him right now. By asking Jesus to come into your life, to save you, to be your Lord, to be your Savior. Simple, simple, simple process. If it's an act of your will, you've heard the message. You're hearing me now. If this is what you want to do, this is all you have to do. Ask the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord Jesus, you gave your life as a sacrifice for my sin. I deserve death, but you died for me. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. I yield to you so that you will be my Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for saving me. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com that's tabernacle of praise at msn.com give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you also we would like for you to sow into this ministry if you've been blessed by this work by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel and you would like to help further this cause we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. 
Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.